Clou, Kai Clou, Hedran Clou. To what's this Dao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn what's this Dao all about. Welcome back to What's This Dow All About? My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the great Dr. Carl Totten. Hello, hello, hello. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners, because uh, the, the great thing about this show is over the last, I don't know, month and a half, six weeks, uh, the, the, our numbers in, have kind of grown exponentially, and more and more people are coming onto this show, and it's a, it's a real pleasure. And just to see that, that, you know, something, it's always cool when some little idea you had one day... <laughs> suddenly becomes something where you just thousands and thousands of downloads and you know it's a real cool thing to just see it manifest you know from, from yeah it's great a dumb it's idea one <laughs> <laughs> it's like the word galloping around the world <laughs> yes maybe maybe some lives have been changed uh let's see here so on today's show we're going to actually uh address one of our listeners that uh, had a hmm. question about us and then we're going to talk a little bit about, what else are we getting into? We're going to talk about living in the moment, a very big part of uh, the Tao. And then we're going to end with a chapter from the Tao Te Ching. If we can get, it, if we can get to all that today, who knows? <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get into that, I guess uh, Dr. Carl Totten over here at the um, Taoist Institute in North Hollywood. Now I'm going to put a date on this because people will probably be listening to the show a year from now. <laughs> um, you're having a big, really cool event on May 21st to 22nd here at the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood. Yes, we are. Um, in fact, I'm calling it the Immortals Weekend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and the reason I came up with that title is because the Taoist Immortals, probably most responsible for our particular tradition, Lu Tung Pen, right. uh, whose picture is there up on the wall, you yes. can see, and his teacher, Chung Li Chun, that weekend is their birthday. All right. Yeah, one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And since I'm having events here that weekend, I said, why not just call it the Immortals Weekend? Love it. So we can kind of honor our teachers and from a thousand or more years ago. Okay. And um, so on See, that weekend I was doing something special anyway. Okay. Uh, the, there's about eight or nine abbots, you know, in our uh, spiritual tradition mm -hmm. of the Tao. And for the very first time, I am convening all of them to come together for a conclave. Nice. We're going to talk about the future of the Tao and how we can preserve these teachings, which have lasted the last thousand years, for the next hopefully 1,000 years, the next Thanks. millennia. Oh, so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to have a Qigong workshop in the morning of the 21st, 
And then I'm going to let people, we're going to actually have kind of a panel with all the abbots so people can actually talk to the abbots. Oh, nice. And then the abbots are going to meet for a few hours. They're going to go out and have a big banquet. Oh, nice. A Chinese banquet in Chinatown. That's always fun. Oh, that sounds awesome. And then the next day, my meditation master, I, I call him a Zen master because that's probably mostly what he is. Although he would deny it. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's going to come and speak for uh, three hours and interact with whoever wants to stop by. His name oh, cool. is Master Yohun Kim. Okay. And um, so it's going to be an interesting weekend of change and growth and delving deep, diving deep into the Tao. Beautiful thing. Now, here's, here's, here's my problem. My wife is due to have a baby like that weekend, pretty much. She's, yes. She's due May 25th. So I told my wife, I said, you know, Dr. Totten is having this amazing thing that I, I, I'd love to attend. And she was like, well, you know, I'm about to have a kid right around that time. So, and, you know, we, it's you know, 50 minute drive from my house up, mm. up this way. And she was like, you need to stay within 25 minutes of me at all times that week in case we need to, you need to take me to the hospital. I'm not going to sit around while you're meditating. In we've, we've got stuff to handle. And I told her, well, you know, what 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 other friends do you have who have husbands that have these issues? You know, who else is running off to go? You know, meditate in in the valley. You know, she's only you, Todd. Only you. So that's a great event. And now, uh, is there anything on a website or on your Taoist Institute website about this? Or uh, yes, okay. yes, they can go to DaoistInstitute.com and. Read all about it. Awesome. So now let's get into a list, some listener mail. Uh, if you listen to the show, we have an email on, I believe there's a contact link on our website, What's This Dow All About? So you can get uh, immediate, immediate advice from the Dow uh, from Dr. Carl Totten here. And we will uh, read them on the show if it, if it makes sense. Um, and we have one listener that I'm very jealous of named Toby who lives on the big island of Hawaii, a wonderful place. Yes. And he had a question uh, about uh, Taoism, children, and self-discipline. Aloha, C. Joe and Todd. Love the show. Thank you for putting your energy and time into it for all of our benefit. My question has to do with raising children. Now, this is good for me, being that I will be... A dad soon. A dad soon. <laughs> I need some help here. What is the Taoist method of discipline, and more importantly, teaching self-discipline? In a world awash in empty calories, endless electronic entertainment, and addiction, how can we help ensure that our children find the middle path of enjoying the abundance of this world in moderation? I've heard everything from allow them to do as much as they want, filling themselves on sugar until they're sick, and then they will learn the meaning of enough. <laughs> the other side of the coin might be to monitor their intake vigilantly, and in effect deciding for them until they can make their own good decisions. I fear either method could backfire and create sugar or screen addicts, perhaps leading to other addictions uh, in the short or long run. Looking forward to your thoughts and Taoist perspective. Best, Toby, on the Big Island. Ah, now, yeah, now if I were on the Big Island, 
I, so I would just go look at the water and the waves, and I'd be fine. <laughs> I, I would be doing that as well. I, I would, yes. Yeah, go snorkeling and kind of hang out in the bay. Yeah. <laughs> All problems just kind of disappear. Oh, yeah. But to his question, <laughs> I, I, first of all, I, sent him, I told him, you know, thank you, of course. That's a great question, and I really appreciate it. And um, particularly because, in my opinion, raising children is, I know, the hardest, most difficult job in the whole world. Right. Get ready, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> and also, perhaps, the world's most important job yeah. as well. So I said, you know, Taoism focuses on aligning with nature, our own individual nature, and the larger cycles of nature in the world. Children are born exploring themselves as they experiment in finding what's in accord with their true nature. As both a Taoist and a clinical and school psychologist myself, I believe that a parent's job is to facilitate this exploration by using the approach of both yin and yang, Ooh. support and structure, nurturing their nature while often using play, which comes natural for children. Children learn through the medium of play, as we all know. So I think it's important to provide children with multiple opportunities to learn by doing and then sitting with them and exploring what worked and what didn't work well and why. This way, they feel supported and encouraged, but also begin to learn the rudiments of good judgment and discernment. Helping them think through their experiences is a crucial way for them to incorporate the good decision-making that leads to self-discipline. Now, of course, we also know that children learn best through modeling and observation. So it's crucial to provide good examples, a sort of monkey see, monkey do approach. Modeling good ecological practices and respect and caretaking for the earth is important. And, you know, I remember also hearing about an indigenous people's method from the Hopis for child rearing, where when a child is doing something not correct, they gently take the child aside and explain, that is not the Hopi way. Then they patiently explain and demonstrate the Hopi way of doing the task. So maybe uh, Toby can just say, hey, that's, that's not how we do it on the Big Island, brother. Right? <laughs> I mean, kind of <laughs> augment that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. So I think that parents need to provide a container for children to be safe within some structure and consistency, which is important and goes a long way towards keeping them safe and healthy while showing them the way. In time, with your loving guidance, they'll get it as long as they are always treated with respect and see you, in fact, treating all human beings with respect. By living in harmony with the flow and natural rhythms of the Tao, you will help set your children on their path where they will become who they are while you watch in awe. You construct and craft the arrows then launch them and let them go. Nice. So the question, so the question would be more of instead of saying which, like, either do we let the kid do whatever the heck he wants and then figure out that the uh, five colors mad in the eye, <laughs> that the five tastes numb the tongue or whatever, do we let him have that or do we, you know, do we restrict certain behaviors? But I think the answer lies in maybe with some children restricting something might be good given their own way 
the way they react to things. And with some kids, letting them be free mm-hmm. and experiment and right. learn might be good as well. It's just the, the child's own... Right. This discernment I was talking about cultivating has to come from the parent first. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, there, there's times to do something, and then there's times to sit back. You know, you have to choose your battles, so to speak. And there are variations uh, in human nature. Every parent will tell you, if they have several children, that every one of them popped right out of the chute <laughs> with their own yeah. personalities. Right. Some were rambunctious and trying everything. The others were more quiet and reserved and restrained. And so you, the, the way you treat each one of those cannot be exactly the same because right. they're, they're different human beings. Right. And so we have to go, we have to see what is the flow before we can go with it. Right. And, and children all need some boundaries and some containing. We can't let them hurt themselves just because they don't know any better. Right. You know, they can't stick their, you know, finger in the light socket. Or... Okay, wait, that's a bad one? <laughs> Keep the fingers out. All right, that's another one on the list. Okay. Yeah. Hey, it worked fine for you, right? Look right. at you. Yeah. Look at you today. I'm great. <laughs> yeah. No, that's why you have spasms every uh, 10 seconds, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so I blink too much. So. <laughs> you know, and... But at the same time, you know, children need to learn that by using this medium of play, particularly when they have good uh, examples to follow, that's why I said modeling is so important. Mm. You know, children learn much more by what they see us do rather than what we just say. Yeah. And so it's important to actually be, you know, the type of human being you want them to become. And if you're yelling and screaming and cursing and disrespecting people all the time, well... Guess what they're learning? Yeah. Monkey see, monkey do. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, I, I found that with the way I was raised, when things like like sugary foods and stuff, like it just wasn't in the house. Like my mom mm. didn't want, want us drinking soda, which I think is good. I think soda's terrible for you. Uh, but, and then I never really developed a taste for it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like it because mm-hmm. maybe it's just really gross anyway so you know there's no point about I, I never liked it like sweets i never really developed much of a taste for it and uh-huh, i, I uh-huh. just I, I not even in my orbit i don't care about it you know and that could be it or you know but maybe on the other side it would have to be restricted because my sister would drink you know five gallons of soda in one <laughs> sitting if, if it was available to her so I, again it just goes with the individual child on right. some level and you know? and ultimately of course we know everything is about balance you know a little of this and a little of that is fine it's just that a whole lot of this or a whole lot of that but particularly if there are some negative consequences to a whole lot of whatever we're talking about yeah that becomes a, a problem yeah and what we really want to cultivate in ourselves and certainly in children is the ability to become self-regulated by becoming in harmony with the rhythms and patterns of our own bodies and minds and emotions. And, le- and then, of course, I always recommend spending a lot of time in nature. Uh, again, we're uh, being jealous, envious of our friend over in Hawaii, yeah. spending a lot of time out there in nature helps establish that flow, that rhythm, that regulation, that timing in a really wholly natural way yeah. as only nature, as only the great Mother Nature can do. Right. And right there is uh, in Hawaii is where Mother Nature speaks very loudly. Yes, It's a lot does. easier to hear Mother Nature yes, there than maybe some other places. Yes. It's more difficult here in the big city. Yes. 
So we're going to move on a little bit. So I hope that's good for you. And again, if you listen to the show and uh, have some questions, uh, just hit the contact button. There's an email there. Again, that email may change over time. So just the, the one that's currently there, you can use it. Um, now, let's see. There's a question I had. Um, it was about a, a big deal in Taoism. Um, there's a great line in chapter 14 where the, it says, Stay with the Tao, move with the present. Mm-hmm. And there is a very big emphasis in Taoism, obviously, on living in the moment. Yes. And I don't know whether it's just a current, uh, the way the world is set up now and how people are living, that it's difficult to live in the moment, or it's been something that humanity has always struggled with. Um, but I've always been a fan of guys like uh, Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that lots of the stuff he says about living in the moment and, you know, very quiet the way he speaks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the power of that, and and watching your thoughts, and you, Doctor Totten, you were saying earlier that you had a Zen teacher that was, you know, you you kept saying, why do you always talk about being in the present? And he said, it's the only thing we have. It, it really is, and to maximize this moment, uh, to to really be present is to enjoy. Everything. You yeah. Know. You, in fact, I showed you my new watch this morning, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His watch. He shows me. He goes, oh, you got to check this new watch. And for every hour, it just says now. So there's 12 nows around. <laughs> what time is it? Now. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call that a gentle reminder. I'd say it's a full force. Uh, it, but that's good to have those reminders. I used to have a, a reminder set on my phone that said, thoughts become things. Mm. Right, that he used to always. Yes. So I would not get, you know, stay with that train of thought every day. I found it important. But the big deal is uh, living in the moment, and the Tao definitely asks us to live in the moment. Yes. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on how we can better, as Tao cultivators, live in the moment. You know, in many respects, this is the central one of the major tenets of Taoism, Buddhism, perhaps a lot of other isms as well. Yeah, <laughs> which is how to be. Here now, as the title of the very famous book yeah. by Ramdas Ram yeah. implores us to, to do. Um, first of all, I think it's very helpful if we learn to attune ourselves to the present moment much of the time. Now, do we as human beings learn from our past and have memories and emotional experiences from the past that influence and color our present perceptions? Of course we do. Being connected to these resources, positive and what some you know times be called negative, is certainly part of every human's personal and social makeup. Likewise, we all also hopefully do some prudent planning for our future lives and success as well. Having goals and life direction are crucial components of just living a, a thoughtful and, and well-planned life. But, or and, yeah. <laughs> the case may be, In spite of our being woven into the past and future, the only place we can fully live is in the present moment. We have no choice. Nothing else is really possible. And if we are overly attached to the past or the future, we will surely miss the essential experience of being alive and responsive on all levels, mental, emotional, physical, energetic, spiritual, relational, at the only place we can actually exist, which is right here now. Now, real quick, just to just to build on that thought, uh, it, it reminds me of like when you're driving a car, right? 
and you are kind of focused and you are driving the car, blah, 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 blah. Something bad around you happens and whammo. You're in the moment. You make that snap judgment decision and you get out of the way. Or if you're a guy like a basketball player, like a Michael Jordan, and you're going in and your senses are completely wide open and turned on because you are completely in this moment, in this flow. Or there's the guys who are uh, race car drivers. And I think it was, um, it was a George Harrison, the Beatle, was into race car driving. And he said that mm. when he was so in the moment and so focused driving a race car going 200 miles an hour, there would be grass that was you know, 200 yards down the road. And he goes, my senses were so in tune, you would smell the grass 200 yards away because your consciousness just expands when you're completely here in the now and you get every moment. But, and it's these intense experiences that allow us to do that. But most of the time we're not in an intense experience. We are, you know, walking down the street, we're driving, we're, I'm walking from one room to the other in my house. I'm your eyes are on, your, yeah. is on your cell phone. <laughs> Mostly with me. Yeah. My eyes are on my, my cell phone. And I'm in the moment. Not at all. In the moment, but Yes. Trapped in an electronic moment, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> now the important question is, okay, uh, we get that, but how do we do that? Yes. Uh, how? Oh. Uh, see, and uh, that's something that I think Taoists have a lot to say about. How, how do we do these things? Yeah. Uh, in fact, you might say that really the entire purpose of these podcasts, in a sense, is really addressing this issue, this yeah. question. Uh, what I like to do are like little what I call experiments, where for just a few moments, I practice letting go of anything other than just quietly noticing what I'm experiencing in the present moment. Is my head itching? Is my breathing expanding and contracting? Can I feel my earlobe? Can I experience the ambiance or feeling in the room right now? Can I simply observe myself and all reality within and outside of me without judgment, without needing to change anything about how it presents itself? You know, the ability to do these types of things begins to exponentially increase our ability to just be without wanting or needing anything else than what is. And I think that's a great way to start. Just paying attention to what you perceive right now. And if you can watch your mind and observe your body and observe your imagery and observe your inner talk to yourself, where is that observer position? See, that's that quiet place that is beyond this and that, mm. right or wrong, me and you. It's a universal place. And when we can learn how to just quietly observe from that place, it expands our perception from just our n- narrow space between our ears, mm-hmm. you know, the ego, if you will, yeah. t- until everything becomes part of the landscape. And what's outside becomes inside. And what's inside, since there's no boundary anymore between outside, it it all becomes the same universe. And we feel that we're a part of it at all levels. And it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. And, And so that involves a certain amount of obviously diminishing of the ego, you know, in, in, in order to have that kind of selfless experience. Yeah, with the ego being the part of the brain, particularly the left brain, that needs to feel that it's right, 
Mm-hmm. And that other people are different than me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that uh, and that I need to control what's yeah. going on. Right, that part. Yeah, that part. See, that needs to soften. Right. <laughs> so to soften it, I guess the best way to soften it is to realize it's there. That, that's the place to start. Yes. <laughs> right. I think there's something in one of the chapters we were looking at that it was like ah, uh, uh, it was it was one of the one of the chapters of the Tao Te Ching. Uh, when Lao Tzu writes that kind of like the sage kind of squashes the problem by showing the fact that there's a problem and then the problem does not exist. (laughs) So that the moment I see where my ego is interfering with my ability to be here now because it's filling me with all these, uh, all all this need to be right or to Mm -hmm. be separate or to have some kind of bias confirmed Mm -hmm. or to control when when that part of me disappears, then you again you see the the mystery yeah. of everything around you. Yes, but as you just said, first though you have to notice it because this is on automatic pilot for most of us all the time. Oh yeah, and so we don't realize that we're walking around with this thousand pound uh, ball and chain attached to us. Yeah, because we it's always been there. Right, <laughs> you don't know it, and it, you know. Yeah. And so if you don't know it's there, you can't cut it off. Right. And so another part, I think another part of uh, being in the moment, a lot of that also has to do with uh, your thoughts and the kind of endless chatter, the the monkey mind that Mm -hmm. is constantly going on. I know Eckhart Tolle has a lot to say about that and how he, uh, he kind of taught me that almost to laugh at my own thoughts sometimes and laugh at my ruminations (laughs) because we take them like they're so important. Like uh, that our thoughts are this kind of holy thing, but in a certain ways, it's almost just like your mind is rambling. You know, we just have this one thought mm-hmm. that keeps going at a certain point. What, what is that doing me? Why does it's almost like, uh, again, some kind of autopilot. And then the, the bad thing is, is the thoughts that keep reoccurring that are just pointless or memories right. or ruminations that do nothing for you, but almost just like your brain just kind of fires this stuff off because it's got nothing better to do, <laughs> right? And, and, but you take it seriously and you indulge in it, and that takes yes. you out of the moment. Yes. You know? Because we, we, as I always say, we are creatures of habit, and we have habitual thought patterns that have been around for years. Yes. Uh, and, and, or longer. Yeah, and they're a waste of time. And we, like, Give me some new s- stuff to think about. Uh, and know? a lot of these ideas and ways of perceiving are actually generational. You'll see them in the past generation of your parents and look to their grandparents, great-grandparents, and you'll see themes woven across time and space, Mm -hmm. you know, from past centuries even, old ways of perceiving things and framing reality that are are not helping. (laughs) They're not helping, you know, and so... To free ourselves from that, we have to be aware that these are impinging on our consciousness so that we can step back and just see them for what they are, mm-hmm. which is often things that have just been, they're, they're only there because they're a habit. They're, they're there because they've always been there for no better reason than that. They don't, they don't work particularly well. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they aren't really serving us terribly well, other than, like you said, confirming our own biases, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of actually improving our lives, not so much. Mm. Not so much. There was something that you had this, this, you were talking about old frames and stuff, and there's something I'd actually written down. 
I apologize for going to my phone, which we've been demonizing all day. But <laughs> this is going to help me, actually. Um, there was a... You gave me a... I guess it was kind of a, a reader or it was like a, a, a printout. And it happened to have all of these different... Uh, translations of the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Oh, yes. And it had like an intro for like three pages on Lao Tzu and the importance. So I was just reading that over the other night, just kind of almost when you go back to the basics and you kind of relearn things. And there was something, ah, something, there was a line in there that was talking about far removed from the affairs of men. It was just one sentence in there, and it was mm-hmm. that uh, that Lao Tzu came up with these ideas, kind of far removed from the affairs of men. And I was thinking that every day we kind of construct our own reality and our own story that we walk in mm-hmm. uh, based on the affairs of men. Where is my life in terms of status? Where is my life in terms of? What's going on culturally around me? Where do I fit in in that kind of milieu? Or, you know, mm-hmm. But we can actually frame our lives. Hopefully I'm not getting too far off the topic. But we can frame our lives not by the affairs of men. We can frame them by nature. We can frame them and uh, almost by creating our own reality. Because what's happening... What's happening right now in Washington, D.C. really isn't my... It, it kind of in, has something to do with my reality, but really it's it's almost overplaying mm-hmm. my own concept of self to really pull that in, right? Mm-hmm. My, my concept of reality can be wildly different than the one I was kind of sold into or sold on. Yes, and, and much of that really is media-driven. And our media, as we were actually discussing prior to the show this morning you know there there's what five or six kind of media conglomerates in the united states right now that really are framing the message yeah and so if that becomes the affairs of men you know that we are attending to then um i i think it's excessively uh narrowed and perhaps even filled with political, economic, and other agendas yeah. that have nothing to do with our lives at all. But we feel the need to take the bait. Yep. We've been conditioned to that. So yep. yeah, we're swimming along, and then we see this, and now and so you'll see sometimes how issues crop up in the, the public sphere. Manufactured. But, yeah, that are manufactured, <laughs> that nobody cares. Like, who, like, people are making a huge deal about now, like, who, what bathrooms people are using, right? When... Two years ago, nobody was discussing it. It wasn't even a problem, right? Now, it's been manufactured as a wedge issue, and now everybody has a stance and an opinion on, you know, what gender bathroom people are using when there, there was no bathroom gender problem previously. <laughs> I, you know, I never, you know, and now there's a manufactured problem. Everybody's sounding off on it. Everybody gets wound up about and so it's I, I went shopping last night, and uh, and in the store they had two bathrooms, and I, I just uh, you know glanced at the doors, and they both said unisex, unisex. I said okay, they're cool. Now we're all done. Right, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna make it an issue that we're just gonna just do whatever. Yeah, it's great. So anyone can use whatever they want. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's so funny. Again, we, we take the bait on these things, and then we make that part of the our concept of self and our own plot line and our storyline, when in reality, it's this big nebulous thing that we're just projecting 
onto. It's this big space we're projecting onto. And so I'm sorry, that might have taken us off the topic, but it was something I'd been thinking about <laughs> this week and wanted to shoehorn into these shows. <laughs> but so now, when it comes to living in the moment, uh, the, I once read something about, uh, 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 it was a story about, like a, I guess, a kind of peasant Taoist that all he had really to eat was a bowl of rice. Mm-hmm. But the Taoist peasant would sit, and his whole focus would be on that bowl of rice. He would enjoy every kind of morsel of it and take it in. And to him, this one seemingly trifle you know, bowl of rice would become an all-consuming reality in the most delicious meal he ever had because he was in the moment, he was focused, he had gratitude, and, you know... So, you know, all these things around us, we may have great trappings, we may have the ability to really experience things, but if we're yes. not in the moment, we could be sitting in what could be the most joyous experience with the most joyous people in the world and miss the whole show. All right, because our minds are engaged in doing something else, and we're not being fully present with that bowl of rice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and tasting every nuance of every grain. Yes. And and feeling that where that grain came from, and how it was cultivated, you know, to release the flavors that every morsel does, and 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 remember that it's just going through our, our senses, right? What does mm-hmm. it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Right? Yeah. See, it's it's in it's engaging with us, and so to the extent that we can actually accurately and fully perceive through those mediums and others yeah. beyond the five senses. See, that is going to determine to what extent that bowl of rice or a conversation or an experience in life or, in, or an interaction actually is. Right, yeah. Right. Besides the inherent uh, nature of the thing itself, it's interacting with our nature. Yeah. And if that nature is restricted, then our experience will be equally restricted and constricted. And if our nature is expansive and evolving and not stuck to any particular necessity of being this or that, then every experience is unlimited. And that is the nature of the Tao. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the show. I'd like to thank C. Joe, Dr. Carl Totten. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back very soon with another another episode of What's This Dow All About? <laughs>